Welcome to the Wild Sisterhood Podcast. Friendship, fellowship, motherhood, and everything in between. Welcome to the hood. Okay, welcome to the Wild Sisterhood Podcast, episode 12. Episode 12. It was a shame. Yes. So this is the second episode in our three-part series. Yes. I'm so excited for this one. I am too. And a little bit, a little bit worried. No. <laughs> No, we are not going to worry about this. The real truth is, is that these topics, they're like, they're things that we are just learning about ourselves really and uncovering different things that we didn't even realize were there. This, making my notes for this episode has been very therapeutic for me. Yes. Shame is so heavy. It is heavy. And it's something that we all carry around and some of us don't even realize it. Yes. So I want to, I mean, you have a great definition for this. So I want to hear what, what is shame? Okay. Okay. So shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consequences of wrongdoing or foolish behavior. Oh my gosh. Consequences. That's consequences. A, that's something we talk about in our house a lot. We do too. Why and how do we first experience shame? Well, I really do believe that shame is like formed in us as children. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes from like... I don't even know that it's a purposeful thing. I think it's such a tactic sometimes mm-hmm. that parents use, teachers use, like it, 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 you're trying to control a situation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get someone else to do something that you want them to do. Absolutely. I think it is definitely a major form of manipulation in parenting to get your child to behave, to obey. So hear me though. Okay. Shame, like shame is something that we feel because of social parameters, like social things. Sure. But it's not necessarily like parents are not out to shame their children necessarily. No. No. And I think, you know, parents are, I I mean, especially me, we're all a product of our environment and we're just doing what we think we're supposed to be doing or what we're told works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like today, parenting has changed drastically since... Even since I started parenting MG seven years ago, yeah. my parenting to A is much different. Yes. So, you know, there's there's science behind it. There, there, You're constantly learning new things and things are changing. Or we should be. Yeah. I think that was something that we were just talking about the other day was just adapting your parenting as you go because you're learning how things, one of the things that we say a lot in my household is like, how did that land on you? Like we're, I'm learning how things land on my children, how yeah. they are absorbing the things that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I realized kind of recently that like trauma and things that I brought with me from my childhood, like the, the unresolved things that I brought into parenthood, I inadvertently am putting on my children. Yes. And I want them to be free of those struggles. Yes. Really, we're coming into that with MG, realizing that there's co- there's positive consequences and negative yes. consequences. So trying to teach them that just because this negative consequence followed, does that doesn't mean that you are bad. Yeah. That this is just something that happens because of a cause. Yeah. And so trying to teach her, you know, that you are not inherently bad because of your choices, mm-hmm. and which a lot of us feel that way. Yeah. From, from childhood or, or however, I guess we were raised or, you know, whatever. Or we what were, happened to us. Like, they're traumatic. That we had no control over. Correct. Yes. 
So, I mean, that could have been, it could have been abuse. It could have been um, manipulation. Yeah. But going into adulthood, it's something that we all carry. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about how shame affects us in our adult lives, in relationships, marriage, the workplace. Yeah. So on. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is there something specific that kind of triggered like a shame response for you Okay. that maybe would help people to understand better how shame has affected them in their lives? Okay. So as a child, um, I had a very, um, my dad was an alcoholic. He was a severe alcoholic. And growing up, there was, um, there was an age gap between my mom and my dad. It was like, 25 years or something like that. And so when my dad passed away, I was 14 okay. and he was 75. Yeah. Okay. So the parenting there, as you can imagine, was very, from a very different time. Right. Okay. Um, and so as parents, we just do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. Um, do I think he did the best he could? No. And you know, that's something I've come to grips with as an adult, something that I Sure. That I struggle with still. But as a child, you know, I think we reflect um, onto, like, you know, as we just said, our kids or our peers, things that happen to us as children. So, you know, we we weren't allowed to ask for help or um, we weren't allowed to feel our emotions. Sure. You know, kids were to be seen and not heard sure. from that era. Yes. Um, I wasn't allowed to, to make mistakes or mm-hmm. if I did major issues there. Um, I wasn't allowed to need attention. Mm. Yeah. So needing attention was probably a biggest, the, one of the biggest ones, because like I said, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was a stay at, stay at home working mom. She had a a salon in our basement. Sure. And so she worked a lot. So she's busy. She's doing all of her stuff. She's trying to take care of Twins, yeah, so I'm a twin, and at the time, um, I have a brother who's 11 months older was there as well. Um, So lots of things, teenagers, um, you know, she had a lot to deal with, okay? And so me needing attention in whatever way, and I wasn't receiving that, and so that kind of propelled me into a rebellious teenage 20-something-year-old kid. Yeah. I think just so for our listeners, like for me, life was a little bit different because I had a pretty normal, like, quote unquote, normal childhood. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up in a family that everybody loved each other and everybody was whole and, you know, whatever. And no speakable exterior issues. Okay. And shame, because shame is such like a other thing. It's it is like wondering how others evaluate you and the things that happened to you, the choices that you've made. Because of, we talked last time about bullying. Yeah. I, it just hits so hard on this need to be perfect at home and this need to just stay silent and in the background in other circumstances for fear that other people would constantly be evaluating me. Yeah. This constant evaluation was something that I couldn't handle. Under the thumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. I just, I I felt in a lot of ways, like I am a PK and I felt in a lot of ways that I grew up sort of in a glass house where everybody saw everything. Well, and they were looking too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just felt constantly evaluated. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you think though... Like going into adulthood, you're coming into your own person, making your choices, married, kids. Let's talk about how it could affect us in marriage specifically. Oh, gosh. I know. I mean. I know. So (laughs) 
intimacy, we talked about being like into me see, right? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you carry around shame from any place in life, like yeah. from any stage, any moment in life, then you have someone who is, um, Jonathan and I follow this pastor and one of the things that he says is like marriage is looking at yourself from yourself because you know you've become one. Okay. So you're like looking at yourself, like with yourself, evaluating yourself <laughs> with yourself. Yeah. Like it's just you're one. So you're like, I can see, like, if you're looking at someone else, you can see the food in their teeth, but they can't see the food in their teeth. No. And you need to tell them. True. So you get married and you know, society tells you all of these things that are wrong. And for a perfectionist, so I'm the like, sphere perfectionist, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be completely perfect. Yes. But I realize that if somebody is evaluating me with a microscope, like yeah. me looking at me, you know, yeah. as me, whatever, all the me's, um, <laughs> I realized that I felt even greater shame mm-hmm. for the flawedness mm-hmm. that I was. Okay. Or that I am. Yeah. And so it was so hard because I realized that in order to allow intimacy to grow mm-hmm. and in order to really have a healthy marriage, mm-hmm. I was going to have to like unravel some of these shame yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. So for me in, um, in marriage specifically, I went into my marriage feeling not worthy. Yeah. Because Josh was raised vastly different than me. Yeah. Okay. It was just a different atmosphere. And so things I weren't really used to or accustomed to on a regular basis, that's what I was introduced to when I married him. So going into it feeling not worthy, um, you know, the first few years of our marriage, uh, I feel like I had a huge wall because... Uh, internally, I felt like I did not deserve this man and I needed to be with someone else who would treat me poorly because that's what I deserved. Mm. Yeah. And Josh is the opposite of that. Yeah. So years of trying to pull away from that belief so I could actually have a relationship and um, build intimacy with my husband outside of thinking that I should be treated badly. Yes. First of all, if you're listening to this, and you identify with that because I know a lot of people do. Yes. You are completely worthy. Yes. And that is something that I, I do struggle with like currently. Like I, I'm in marriage counseling currently. Mm-hmm. Not because something was like crazy wrong, but because there were all these things that were all just mashed up together. Well, why wait, wait till it's broken? Right. Yeah. But if you allow something tiny to go for a really long time unattended, all of a sudden you have something really, really big that should, that would have taken just a few little tweaks. Yes. But instead like you let it grow and fester and just turn into something it didn't need to be. I mean, a crack spreads very fast. Right. Yeah. And so like for us, shame, intimacy, being worthy was such a hard thing for me as well. But I think that it can also go into our friendships. Yes. Worthy in a friendship. Oh. Because when you meet somebody 100%. who's like awesome. Yeah. And you've struggled with shame. Yep. Then you're like, like feeling like you have to 
equal they're awesome I don't know how else to say that I mean yeah because you feel like you evaluate yourself and you come with all of your problems and all of your junk and all of your crap that you're afraid to tell this person but they have junk and crap too I think that you need to realize that there are safe people and there are unsafe people and you have to know in those contexts if it is okay to share certain things to open up to be vulnerable but you know we do carry a lot of that with with friendships for sure well we live in this you know enough or not enough mentality world yes you know there's always everywhere you look you are enough you are enough but with friendships trying to like set aside the feeling of I'm not enough but I need to be enough because this person yeah you know is this or whatever yeah. it's just a constant struggle and yeah. then trying to match them and in, in whatever keeping up with the Joneses or however you want to say that yeah It's exhausting. So interestingly enough, one of the biggest things for women, so women are actually quicker to feel shame than men are. No surprise. Because shame for women is an unattainable or unachievable expectation of who we are supposed to be. I mean, we are told, we've talked about this in Identity. It was a two-part series, if you missed it. Who we're supposed, yeah, yeah, go back. Who we're supposed to be from a very young age. Yes. That's that's what we're told. That's what we're taught. You know, you are this, you are that. And some of that is speaking life and some of that is okay. Yeah. Um, But I think when it starts to turn into shame. Yeah. That's where, that's where you need to draw the line with that. Yeah. Being told who we are. And like when, you know. For me, that followed me well into motherhood yes. and into my parenting. Yes. These expectations and these choices. I mean, mom shame. Yeah. Like, mom shame is everywhere. and it's, But it doesn't have to be like that. No. No, it doesn't. And we're on a mission to change that. We are on a mission to change that. Yes. Um, interesting, though, like, if you're a man and you're listening or you know a man who could probably who needs listen. to listen. Um, give it a share. Shame for men is, am I weak? Yes. For women, it's this unattainable expectation, unachievable thing that we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Men, it's, am I I weak? Am I going to be perceived as weak? Yes. That's a major concern for men. I feel like Josh and I have that conversation all the time. Because he does work in the corporate world. Yeah. And he is the boss. Yeah. And so he feels like he has to maintain, but I feel like he feels like he needs to maintain this sense of masculinity. Yeah. Like being under a microscope. Keeping up appearances. Yes. Because people everybody's are watching. watching. Yeah. So we've kind of given a definition to shame. Yeah. Um, but you know, shame could kind of look like other things. Sure. And we want to tell you what shame is not. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So shame versus guidance okay, and shame versus guilt. Okay. So let's talk about shame versus guidance. Okay. For you, like what is the difference between, you know, maybe, and maybe it's an elementary thought, but what is the difference between shame and guidance? Okay. Okay. Because there can be a little bit of blurry lines in there. Yes. And so I think for me personally, this goes back to, again, my childhood. Um, Early adolescence, Mm -hmm. um, I was shown love with food. So I was raised in a very Southern family. Yeah. um, And we... I, even still, I'm guilty of this. I show love with food. Yes. I love to cook. I love to bake. If I'm going somewhere, I will never go empty-handed. Yeah. Um, and so that's just how it is. Um, so I was raised with food all around all the time, and that's how you were loved. Yeah. In the same breath, though, I became 
overweight as a child. Yeah. And well into it in my adulthood. Yeah. And um, I was shamed for that. Yeah. So I was shamed on how I looked. I was shamed on, you know, um, how I looked in clothes. Yeah. Like I didn't fit the bill yeah. or whatever. And so you you're trying to you know teach your child these things and I, I you know I wasn't really taught super healthy choices from a young age but then again you know you're going to love me with food but in the same breath you're going to shame me for being overweight yeah you know what i mean yeah so another one for me was um dating yes okay yeah so i am a product of my environment yes as a child and i saw the marriage in front of me which was my parents yes Okay. Um, and it wasn't a great example. Yeah. Okay. So of course I, because of all the shame inside of me and the lack of attention, um, I went out searching, searching for that thing. Yes. Validation, fill a hole, whatever. And I made some pretty poor choices with dating. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as a child, as a girl, especially, you're told, oh, I can't wait for you to get married. And, you know, you dream of this wedding and, you know, you're told that you're going to have babies and there's that expectation there. Yeah. And then in the same breath, I am in the product of my environment and this is who I'm dating. Here, mom, meet this guy. Here, dad, meet this guy. And then I'm shamed for making choices that I, I don't know, ha- thought I thought I had to make or felt I needed to fulfill or yes. whatever. Yeah. So shame versus guidance there. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think that, you know, it's our job as moms, it's our job as women to help the next generation to see a better way to, to go, like yeah. to see a better way to make decisions for their lives without creating the shame environment. Right. So telling, you know, having them look at all the sides of situations and understand that there are consequences for their decisions and understand that, you know, there are good consequences. There are bad consequences. Understanding that they're, that we are trying to shape them Mm -hmm. so that, you know, when they are adults, hopefully they are going to be more well-rounded, you know. We hope. We hope. Mm-hmm. But we're also, like, helping to shape the people around us, too. Like, yes. our friends and the people that we are, like, our spouses, maybe, or, yes. you know, yes. our roommates or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I think just really knowing the difference between shame and guidance. I think, you know, kind of a personal story with that. And I think a lot of people who grew up maybe in the church can sort of identify with with this. Sure. Um, so I think that sex, mm-hmm. um, premarital sex. Yes. There is the truth that's in the Bible. And, yes. you know, it's the Bible is clear about that. Yes. But I think that one of the tactics that sometimes the broken church, not every church and, and may not have been, you know, the perfect church that you grew up in or whatever, but one of the toxic tactics that they used was kind of like shaming you into making the right decision. Purity like, culture. So pure, the purity movement, there isn't anything wrong with keeping yourself pure. Right. Well, there's a fine line there between shame and guidance guiding that generation yes into the hopefully right choice and I think that for a lot of people that you know that particular piece that 
sex piece yes. was that thing that really was like a blurry line between shame and guidance. Yes. Like, you know, you have to instruct the, the generations to come of the right decisions, of a biblical choice, of all of these things. But we also have to realize that we serve a God of grace. So when a wrong choice is made, yes, there are consequences, Mm -hmm. but we are not our decision. No, we are not. And we are not guilty. Yeah. I, and I think that, you know, we make, we make these choices in life and some of us carry so much guilt, the business of being shamed for whatever choice or lack thereof later turns into massive guilt. Okay, so let's talk about guilt versus shame. Yes. So guilt is actually like the feeling of doing something wrong, whereas shame is the feeling of being something wrong. Oh my gosh. Being something wrong? How sad. I know. How sad for us and everyone. I know. Gosh. <laughs> but you know what? Like, again, there there is hope. And so, like, yes. I, I think the, the thing that we are moving towards, the thing that we are working towards, the thing that we are trying to create for, for Megan's two girls and oh, yes. for my two boys and my sweet little baby B mm-hmm. is... But, like, we want to completely, like, tear down the the walls of shame and we want to just instill, like, guidance and right choices. And you just have to evaluate your situation and evaluate maybe what you're doing now, evaluate the things that were done to you in the past, evaluate, you know, who you are, what you stand for and whatnot, and realize that, like, you don't have to live under shame. No. And are you feeling guilty because of the shame? Ooh, yeah. yes. So I have a I have a perfect quote to insert here. Yes. Because I love when you said, there is hope. Yeah. And so the, I love this quote. It says, the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Ooh, so good. Yes. So good. Oh, we've got to grow. We have to grow. <laughs> I think that that's the whole reason that we're, that we're doing this, that we're yeah. doing this podcast is to like... To shed light on things, but also to just continually be growing. Yeah. Transforming ourselves and the world around us. And you know what? Mallory said something to me today because we were talking about like our childhood. Mallory's my twin sister, if you don't know. And so we experienced very similar um, things all at once when we were being raised. But she said to me today that your mistakes are a ministry, not shame. Yeah. Use your words. Use your testimony. Use your shame to shed light like I hope we're trying to do yeah. now yeah. that like Kara said, there is hope. Yeah, there is hope. A couple of things like just to know about, you know, shame before we kind of like, you know, give you the build up for like Ooh, okay. how to live Free. shameless. <laughs> Isn't that a hey, shameless. <laughs> when you live in shame, you have a loss of your own positive qualities. You cannot see the positive attributes of yourself. You are so focused on negative attributes that you lose sight of your positive attributes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so our focus becomes on flaws and not Mm. on like the things that we're doing well. And that's why you can be that woman who's like standing in a group of friends and you're like, but am I good enough? I mean, because you're only looking at your flaws. Yes. Look at all the things you have to offer, girlfriend. Yes. So many things. Okay, so be confident. Go check, back. Check, check, check. Know who you are. Okay. Identity. Yes. Be confident. Yes. Confidence. 
Yes. You are not your mistakes. No, and you're not your choices. Yes. Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about being open to talk about your shame. Okay. Okay, because like we've talked about, you know, what, you know, going into a, a group of friends and like asking yourself this question. So what if we were all more open to talking about our shame? I think we would hear a lot more me too's if we did that. I wanted to just put this little insert in here that shame loves secrecy. Yes. And that when we... When we bury our story, that then shame just metastasizes. One of my favorite people who talk about shame, who okay. talks about shame, is Brené Brown. Yes. And you you heard a quote from her in the last episode. I'm yes. actually positive it was in the last episode. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. Yes. And you're going to hear just more, more and more and more from her because she's like the resident expert. If you have not... Um, listen to any of her talks, her TED Talks or whatever. Yeah. Go and listen to them because they're so good. And a lot of the stuff that I have like acquired over the years and a lot of the things that you'll hear a lot of her in the things that I'm actually saying and, you know, whatever quote. Her trifecta of shame is silence, secrecy, and judgment. Mm. So like those are the three things that are necessary to create a shameful environment. Yeah. Silence, secrecy, and judgment. Well, I think internal judgment. Oh, internal or external. Yeah. Like we could be the person, we could maybe not carry around a ton of shame for ourselves. Yeah. But we can be extremely shameful to other people. Absolutely. I think sometimes in Christianity, it is easy to, because we're all trying to live by the rules that were set before us in the Bible. Yes. And I think sometimes in religiosity, like when people are religious and they are stuck, they're narrow minded about certain things. I think it's easy to create shame for other people. Well, I think there's a big difference between following the word of Jesus and legalism. Good. Yes. So good. Yes. So we are to have a relationship with Christ. When we have a relationship with Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit guides us. Yes. Not the church. Yes. Not our pastors, which are I mean, all good things. They add to it. Yes. Their community and fellowship. Yes. But the one, the one we should be listening to is is our internal voice who is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay, and he guides us. Yes. And there is no shame or guilt in him. Okay. So if you hear something in your mind that is shame or guilt, it is not the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. No. And 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 I think it's just it's good to know those things because not every Christian is, you know, all the actually all, most Christians are not, but it can pop up and that is one of the things that people say a lot about the church the you know church at large not just like one church uh, about christians is that they're like judgmental or you know whatever and but we are out to break (laughs) stereotypes too yes we are because we love jesus completely yes and we want to change the things about ourselves that would be judgmental towards other people yes and that would cause you know, shame to, to grow and to develop in someone else. Amen. Very well said. Um, so Brene also says, okay. Me and Brene are just over BFFs. Okay. The antidote to, to shame is actually empathy. Uh, Yeah. Let's just say someone has this like extremely vulnerable moment and they let down all of their walls and they tell you this story, like for you just to like, step into their shoes for a minute just absorb yeah and you just say oh my gosh i hear you like oh my gosh i feel that me too me too yeah 
And so, you know, I think the, she also says the best words that you can hear when you're struggling is me too. Yeah. So I just want to like challenge us that as women, as the wild sisterhood podcast and just the wild sisterhood in general, like let's be the women that say, do you? Yes. Yeah. Me Me too. too. Oh, so good. Karen. Now that we've kind of like laid it all out there and we had some heavy moments, I want to talk about overcoming shame. Yes. Okay. So how can we climb this mountain? Yeah. And I think number one would be understanding your shame and where it came from in the first place. That's good. Which we've talked a lot about. Yeah. So I think just like evaluating, maybe you need to write this down. Okay. We talk a lot about writing things down. Yeah. So maybe you just need to get it out of your brain and onto paper. Just, I mean, I do that. I, I did that today when I was making my notes. It's like, what are repercussions? And I'm just like word vomit all over my paper, you know, of, of shame, repercussions of shame. Um, so number two, identify and challenge your critical self-thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that's so big. I think, you know, we have to, again, look at the things that we're doing well, not just see the things that we're doing negative. And when you live under shame, I told you before, it you it's a loss of positive qualities. Yes. It, you are unable to see the good because of the bad. And we have to find a way to, like, flip the script and, like, see what we're excelling at. Yeah. And realize that our identity, our confidence, everything does not have to come from the things that happen to us or the things that we've done. It comes from like who we are in Christ. It comes from, you know, who we're trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're good. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> Hang in there. Yeah. So yeah. Are, are you aware of your thoughts? Like I said, you know, writing down where it came from and writing down some of those critical thoughts can really help to just release them. Like shame because secrecy, I'm having a revelation as we say that. Oh, say it. But secrecy (laughs) is is like things done in the darkness. Yeah. And so when you bring something to light, it no longer has that darkness to thrive in. It becomes... Yeah. Like extinguished. And but you know what? If you bring these to light, especially with your safe people, you're also held accountable. Yes. Yes. Ooh, and accountability. Amen. Yes. Okay, so um ch- challenging those critical thoughts and creating positive affirmations to re-, re like rebuttal them. Listen, we're gonna give a really good positive affirmation this week. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is right yet, but it's going to be <laughs> Okay. So we good. have shared an affirmation before. Yes. Um, which I think was just kind of like a vague affirmation we as women can use on a daily basis. Yes. Just joyful positivity. Yeah. Um, this one I think might be a little bit deeper. Yeah. It I needs to be. It needs to be a little yes. deeper. For sure. Okay. So number three would be healing old wounds. Yes. And that comes mm. with help help. We have talked time and time again about counseling. Yes. And I proponents do another plug. BetterHelp is a great place to find a counselor. You just type in your zip code. It's so easy. It's so easy. And it shows you all the people that, you know, are for you. And if you're having a struggle finding a counselor, like we honestly would love to talk to you about the things that made our counselors the right fit for us. Oh, yeah. And because not all counselors are created equal. No, and that's okay. And it's okay to break up with your counselor if they're not the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so like if you're struggling to like get that help or to find that person that you feel comfortable, you know, talking about those those things with. Yeah. Like we'd love to tell you about how we stumbled upon the people that we have. Yes. Um I love about them. Yes. Yeah. I've had amazing counselors in lots of different places that I've lived. Yeah. And I I feel like, you know, something obviously separated them from the rest of the pack. So I can talk to you about that. Sure. And I, so, um, just about healing old wounds and seeking help, the things that we're told about ourselves, uh, impact the formation of our identity. Yes, they do. Uh, I mean, whether we want to believe that or not. Yes. And I mean, we're molded as like clay or Play-Doh as, you know, whatever into a piece of pottery. Right. And, you know, this is what we've become. And but still, there's all these cracks, yes. you know, there's, there's all these cracks and imperfections. And, you know, if seeking help can, yeah, yeah. Mend it can give you a bridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's, I know. We're mending, we're, we're not just in the business of putting like bandages <clears throat> on bullet holes. We're like actually mending the, amen, the places. Yes. So I don't want to be a broken person. Just walking around, breaking other people. No. And I don't want to be a broken person. I mean, we're all broken somehow. Sure, sure, sure. I don't want to be a broken person, you know, just trying to help people over a podcast. No. You know what I mean? Like, this has been so therapeutic for me to write all of this down and to, like, speak it out. And talk to other people about it. So good. Yes. And I hope hope I've really gotten some me-toos when you're driving in your car listening to this podcast. Yes. Yes. Because I I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. We are going to be the women that say, do you? Yeah. Me too. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.